again. Thank you to each and every one of you that are here today in the house of the Lord. No place that I'd rather be today. Amen. And I hope you feel the same way while you're standing. We want to go ahead and turn in our word. First Peter chapter 1. Also be reading from Revelation 12. Could probably quote that one. Most of you. First Peter chapter 1. Again, reading verse 18 through 20. It says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. For you. Turning to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. Everyone said amen. You can be seated. After the 9-11 tragedy, there were people who, amidst the devastation, were still alive. Some who were trapped and buried Others who were just sitting on top of the rubble who were hurting and calling out for help. But amidst all of the devastation, there was still life present. There were still people who needed help. There were still people who needed an answer and a way out. Destruction was around every corner and underneath every rock. The first responders were coming onto the scene. And they all said that they didn't even really know where to begin. They, they arrived at the scene and there was destruction everywhere. And as soon as they found one to help, they would hear another one calling out for help. And it seemed like there were too many people for the responders there that day. And then the deputy fire commissioner, Lynn Tierney, said she saw something that sparked a fire inside of her. And she saw this stuffed toy lamb amid the destruction. I'm going to throw a picture of that lamb up here. She saw this stuffed toy lamb in all of the destruction in the rubble. You can see this stuffed lamb at the 9-11 Memorial Museum there in New York City. But she made a comment that is written here on this glass. She said, this lamb was recovered from the top of the collapsed pile. We all wondered, if the lamb could survive, why couldn't the people? If the lamb could survive, why couldn't the people? And it was with this statement that men and women that day began searching for anyone that could be saved. 
Though the enemy had tried to cause chaos, the people of New York City and people all around the United States of America began praying. And those there that day began pulling people out of the devastation. People were doing all that they could to save one soul. People who they themselves were already saved went back in to save more people just to see another soul saved. We had the opportunity to go to New York City and see this 9-11 Memorial Museum. And I must say it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. And to hear the testimonies of those that made it out safe and they made it out okay, but went back in a few more times to save a few more people and ended up losing their lives that day because they went back in to save more souls. Scripture tells us greater love hath no man than a man willing to lay down his life for a friend. Though many lost their lives that day, there were some pulled up from the very ashes of devastation and lived to tell their story. And so today, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject. Blame it on the blood. Blame it on the blood. There are things we inherit from others personality, a build, looks. We get these things from our family. We know this is from DNA or what some would call a bloodline. We know that they call family blood. When we were younger, you used to hear it say that family is, is thicker. The blood is thicker than water. It was a way to say that our family is more together and unified than a mere friendship on a whim. That we should stick with our family more than our friends. Scientifically, we can blame DNA for a lot of our looks. Some of us said amen. And we could even blame DNA for some of our actions. We could use the saying, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. But I find it amazing how things get passed down from generation to generation with perhaps not even realizing it. Perhaps it's a facial expression. Perhaps it's a walk, an attitude. And all we can say is blame it on the blood. If you want to know why I act this crazy, you should see my family. If you want to know how I got to this place, the only thing I know to tell you is you've got to blame it on the blood. But you see, most of us haven't always been this way. Not every person in here has been born and raised sitting on a pew. There are some here today who battled addictions. There are some in here today that too lied in in destruction seeking for somebody to help. There are some in here today who battled addiction after addiction and finally made themselves to an altar of repentance and found a God who was merciful and loving and kind and patient and saved their soul one day. There are some, we can't use the excuse, we were just born this way. But we took on a new name and a new bloodline when we are adopted into this truth. And the blood of the Lamb was applied on our soul. And we went down in the precious name of Jesus and came out with His name. We came out as sons of God. Scripture says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not Inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, 
nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I know I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. Can I get an amen? I'm not the person that I was 20 years ago. I'm not the same person that I was on a bar stool 45 years ago. But God found me one day and he called me to an altar. And he told me that he loved me. And he told me that he died for me. And he told me he could save my soul from devastation. Because I went to a cross and died. And I went to a borrowed tomb. And I came back again with keys to death, hell, and the grave. You have another chance. You know why? All you've got to do is blame it on the blood. If it wasn't for the blood, I don't know where I would be today. If it wasn't for the blood, I would be lost, not here on a pew today. I'd be somewhere else. But thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. So you see, sitting in this place today is a bunch of people who too were lying in devastation. They did not know if anyone would ever find them. They were drunkards. They were abusers. They were thieves. But something happened. And someone caught the realization that if the lamb survived, then so could the people. Because it was this lamb that made a way for you and I. You see, in the Old Testament, the only thing that you could do was sacrifice a lamb, a lamb that would not recover, a lamb that would not live again. This lamb was to be put to death and given to roll your sins ahead to the next year. But Scripture tells us there was another lamb, that before time ever began, he was before ordained. He already had it set in motion that he would be that spotless lamb that would die for you and me once and for all. That before time ever began, he was predestined to die for each and every one of you in here today. Even in the story of Abraham. Yes, Abraham. Little did Abraham know what he was prophesying when he had a young lad with him by the name of Isaac, who was his son. And he left his men and their animals, and he said, the lad and I are going up to the mountain and we are going to worship. The Bible says, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb? I see everything else around me is in order. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself one day at Calvary. God will provide himself one day to die for the world. 
Abraham really didn't know all that was going to be true. Abraham didn't know the power of his words that day. But God said, Abraham, you're prophesying, and I don't even think you realize it, that I, before the world even began, have ordained it, that I would be a spotless lamb that would die for the sins of all. Abraham didn't realize the magnitude of what he had just said, but God knew. Isaac, how did you survive? How were, how were you able to come down from that mountain? You were supposed to be sacrificed. All I can say is blame it on the blood. The blood that poured a crimson flow that came streaming from a fleece white as snow. When Jesus met with them at the Last Supper, he tells them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, as Matthew says. It was shed for many for the remission of sins. I like how Luke writes it. He said, likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Which is shed for you. Not only does Scripture record that it is for many, because you see, many, we could get in our heads that that's not me. If it was just left at many, well, I, I'm not a part of that group. I'm not a part of the many he died for because you don't understand all that I've done. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand all the hurt in my life and the hurt I've caused people. But Luke fixes it up for you a little bit. He said, hey, no one is exempt. He did this for you. Not only does Scripture record that it is for many, but it is for you. His blood was shed for me. Romans 5 and 9 says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Colossians 1.14 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1.20 says, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The NLT says, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds, so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal Spirit, Christ offered Himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Why do you act this way? Why do you go to church every single Sunday and every single Wednesday? Isn't there something better for you to do? Why do you act this way? When you're at the job, why do you talk differently? Why do you dress differently? All I know to tell you is you've got to blame it on the blood. Because I haven't always been this way. I haven't always talked this way. I used to be a sinner. I used to be lost. But thank God for the blood. Thank God that it reaches for you and me. Thank God that it was not just for many, but it was for me. No wonder songwriters wrote down the words, thank God for the blood. They wrote down the words, there is power in the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus 
What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. It's that same blood that gives me strength from day to day. And it will never, ever, ever lose its power. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. And I know it was the blood for me. I know it was the blood for me. Thank God for that blood today. Thank you, Lord, for all that that blood does. God, the things that the blood covers that I didn't even know was there. The things that that blood heals that I didn't even know was in my body. Thank you, God, for that blood that saved my family when we didn't even realize we were lost. Thank you, Lord, for that blood. In the Exodus, the death angel couldn't come in. And the Egyptians wondered, how can this be? How were you protected? How did you survive this mass death? All I can tell you is you've got to blame it on that blood. You've got to blame it on that blood that we covered our family with. That though the little ones like we did today, maybe they didn't understand, but we covered them with blood. And we prayed a prayer of protection over our family. How much devastation have we been saved from because of the blood of the Lamb? Here is just some of the things the blood will do for you. Matthew says it remits sin. John tells us it gives life to those who consume it. John says it causes us to dwell in Christ and he in us. Bible says it is the means by which Jesus purchased this church. It says it is the mean by which Jesus becomes our atonement through faith. It justifies us and saves us from wrath. It redeems us. It brings those who were far away from God near to Him. Ephesians says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. It grants us the forgiveness of sins. It brings peace and reconciliation to God. It has obtained eternal redemption for us. It cleanses our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It means by which we enter the most holy place with boldness. It speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It sanctifies us. It makes us complete for every good work. It cleanses us from all sin. It bears witness in the earth along with the spirit and the water. It means that that's the way that Jesus washes us. It is the means by which we overcome the accuser of the brethren. So today I want to know how many of you are truly thankful for the blood. How many of you are thankful for all that the blood does? You say, Brother Landon, I didn't even realize it did all of those things. Oh, yes. When he paid that price on Calvary and he spoke those words, it is finished. He was saying everything that's going on, all the chaos and destruction. I want you to know today the lamb survived. The lamb survived the chaos. The lamb survived the destruction. And because the lamb survived, then so can you so today, if you want to know how I ended up this way, it's because the lamb survived. 
After the blood was poured out and he breathed those words, it is finished. And he was placed in a borrowed tomb. But when they came to see the lamb, he wasn't there. So it got people scratching their heads. The people started thinking and hell started worrying. If the lamb can survive. If the lamb can survive, then I'm in big trouble. If he can come down here and take the keys of death, hell, and the grave, then I'm in big trouble. Because if the lamb can survive, then so can the people. No wonder Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He goes on to say, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There was a young man back in the 1800s, a young Englishman who was traveling to California in search of gold. After several months of prospecting, he struck it rich. On his way home, he stopped in New Orleans. Not long into his visit, he came upon a crowd of people, all looking in the same direction. Approaching the crowd, he recognized that they had gathered for a slave auction. Slavery had been outlawed in England for years, so this young man's curiosity drew him to watch as a person would become someone else's property. He heard sold just as he joined the crowd and watched as a middle-aged black man was taken away. And next, a beautiful young girl was pushed up onto the platform and made her walk around so everyone could see her. The miner heard vile jokes and comments made that spoke of their ill intentions towards this young girl. Men were laughing as their eyes were fixed on this new item for sale and the bidding began. Men began calling out numbers and it came to the point where just two men were going back and forth. And they were hollering out what they were going to do to this young girl and, and the things that they were going to make her do. And, and the vile comments were being made and this man began, began to get so angry. And they laughed and they kept saying what they were going to do if they won and that the other would miss out. Finally, one of them called out a price the other could not match. And the auctioneer said, going once, going twice. And the young girl put her head down and began weeping and that miner raised his hand. And he called out a number that was double what the previous cost was. Just before the final call, the miner yelled out a price that was exactly twice the previous bid. An amount so high that the strongest of all men did not even sell for this amount. The crowd laughed thinking he was joking. And the auctioneer motioned for him to come over. And as he did, he dumped that bag of gold out on the table. The auctioneer knew that the money there was sufficient. So he called the girl over. And she spat in this miner's face. And she clenched her teeth and said the words, I hate you. The miner wiped his face and took the girl by the hand and walked away. 
He began walking through town as if he was looking for something. And finally he came to what seemed to be a store and he came out with a paper that both he and another man had signed. He handed these papers over to the girl and he said, here are your papers, you are free. The girl did not look up and he tried again, here are your papers, you are now free. And again she turned and looked at him and she said, why are you mocking me? Why are you making fun of me? He said, no, listen to me. These are your freedom papers. You are now a free person. The girl looked at the papers and then looked again at the man and looked down at the papers. And she said, you just bought me and now you are setting me free. He responded and said, that is why I bought you. I bought you to set you free. The young girl fell apart at the miner's feet and began weeping and said, You bought me to set me free. You bought me to set me free. You bought me to set me free. And she kept repeating the words because she could not believe what had just taken place. And the miner said nothing. And clutching his boots in her hands, and she wept some more and said, All I want to do is serve you. Because you bought me to set me free. All I want to do is serve you. Because you bought me to set me free. Let's all stand. Greater life, when your soul lied in the balance and death had its grips on you. And you were being marched around so the enemy could poke fun at you and tell you how worthless you are. When the enemy come to tell you that you would never make it, that you would never survive, and that you too would become someone else's property. There came one years ago, and he climbed that hill with an old rugged cross and put nails in his hands and feet, and he bought you so that he could set you free. I want to know today how many of you just have that same heart. I want to serve you because you bought me. God, I blame it on the blood today. God, I can't get away from it. I can't run from it. I can't hide from it. God, it's everywhere. God, that song said it reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the deepest valley. God, nothing I can do can separate me from your love. Your word tells me there is nothing, nothing that can separate me. God, what did I do to deserve that? Oh, what did I do to deserve that kind of mercy? It's that unmerited favor of God. Oh, I know I'm not worthy of it, God, but today I thank you. I thank you, God, that you survived, that you came back again. You came back again victorious. God, and you ask why I'm changed today, it's because of your blood. Oh, if there's anyone in here today that has never experienced that, all you have to do is come to this altar. All you've got to do is begin to repent and say, God, I want you to change me. God, I want you to put that blood on my life. God, that blood that washes away my sin. God, I want you to cover me with that blood. Oh, God, I am so thankful today for that blood. He paid a price that could not be matched. And He did it so that I could be set free. 
I just want to serve you because you bought me to set me free. If you want to experience this today, all you have to do is tell God, God, I need that blood on my life. I need a lifestyle change. I need a turning from my old ways, a change in my mind, heart, and direction. God, I know your blood will begin to cleanse me. Your blood will begin the remission process. God, and then I know that you said in your word that you would fill me with the Holy Ghost. God, I need that blood in my life today. God, if it's sickness, God, if there's disease, God, if there's something going on in my life, God, I need you right now to apply that blood. Perhaps there's someone in here today that just wants to come and tell him, thank you, Lord, for that blood. God, I thank you for the price that you paid for me. Oh, God, I am thankful, Lord, for that price that you paid. God, you gave your life, Lord. God, when I leave here today, I want to leave being able to say, blame it on the blood. It's the blood that changes me.